Hey folks, welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. It is Sunday, December 8th, and for the fifth year in a row, the Clemson Tigers are your ACC champion, and also for the fifth year in a row, Clemson is heading back to the college football playoff, so life is good. Ben and Cody here with you today to recap the 62-17 win over Virginia in the ACC championship game on the, over the weekend. Um, Cody, how's things going, man? It's great, man. I was uh, I'm I'm really jazzed about the the playoff and being in it again for the fifth consecutive year, and uh, as well as the ACC championship. Yeah, I didn't realize the rankings were coming out so early this morning. They actually came out before I even woke up. Yeah, I mean, I wonder how much time they really had to put into it. I mean, I think the only thing they really had to decide was between one and two. Everything else was like pretty easy for them. So I don't think they were like up really late trying to figure things out. Well, they clearly didn't think much past the top four with Georgia sitting there at five. <laughs> yeah. Um, Agreed. Not that they needed to. You mentioned, uh, you made a comment to me here before we got on. Um, we don't really care what happens after four at this point. No. I mean, you were saying that the, uh, look at the the remaining 25. I, I really don't, I didn't even know Georgia was four. Or I'm sorry, I didn't know they were, they were five. Where's Alabama? Did they make the top 10? Yeah, their 13th actually dropped a spot. Um, from last week's poll, so Oregon Oregon jumped back into the into the mix. Wow! I mean, does anyone? I mean, let me say this: Do you think anyone outside of the the playoff teams, hell, including outside of the top three, could beat Bama? Anyone from four to to twelve could beat Bama. I guess Auburn could, right? Because they did, but. Yeah, well, and it's beat Bama with Mac Jones or beat Bama with Tua, you know? Yeah, no, no, with Mac Jones. Beat Bama with Mac Jones. You take Baylor over Bama, Penn State? No, I think Oregon could give him a shot. Fair enough. I mean, as long as they're not wearing Arizona's uniforms. I'm sorry, Arizona State's uniforms. Um, and who else did Oregon lose to? Auburn to start the season, so, yeah. yeah. Um, so, anyways, uh, just uh, – Awesome weekend of football. I was thoroughly entertained by a lot of the games, but I think what we'll do here is we'll focus first on uh, Clemson's ACC championship game win, and then we'll get into uh, breaking down the games from over the weekend and do a deeper dive into the playoffs uh, in our upcoming matchup against Ohio State. Um, but a couple things here off the top. Um, some news today that Jeff Scott is being heavily considered for the Southern Florida job. I think that... We all anticipated at some point uh, it, that it'd be an inevitable that either him or Elliot leaves. Um, kind of shocked that it hasn't happened already, uh, to be honest with you. But it's been incredible consistency throughout the coaching staff that Clemson has benefited from and had the luxury of over the past several years and over this five-year run. So it will be interesting to see, again, inevitable that these guys leave, but it will be interesting to th- see how things change, if, if, if any, um, should Jeff Scott take this job yeah I well I think the good part of having the co-offensive coordinators is you have potentially a bridge should one leave and that's assuming that both don't leave there have been a ton of firings which you always have to like as a Clemson fan you always have to start peeking around to see how that coaching carousel is going to start moving but uh I think we'd be okay with uh if, if as long as Tony Elliott stays intact and um you know quite frankly like I after Elliott you know, got rejected or didn't, I don't think he even got a, an interview with Georgia Tech. It, it sounds like between Elliott and Scott, like, you know, this type of uh, non-Power 5 school is where they're going to have to go. And I think this would, like you said, it would be a good fit for, for Jeff Scott, given his ties to Florida. And um, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good football program too. Uh, well, Brad Scott, his father, you know, he graduated from, from South Florida. So the anticipation would be that 
um, Jeff would take him down with him and install him as, in some sort of leadership role with the team. But uh, uh, speaking of Tony Elliott, apparently he just tells teams flat out that he's not talking to anybody until after the season is over. And he's mentioned that's cost him a job. I think Missouri wanted to to talk to him about their open position, uh, but you know he said, "Sorry, we can try it out for the season." And so Missouri has moved on. So interesting to see how that is handled differently. I think we would certainly anticipate that Jeff Scott, even if he takes the job, would stay on uh, th- through the playoff. Um, really, don't see any, any reason not to. I think so. I think they would do it. They've been all nothing but class, and that's how Dabo operates as well. So that's what I would expect. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how kind of this coaching staff attrition affects Clemson. We've seen it affect other teams, specifically Alabama, over the past several years. So it will be interesting to see how this shakes out. Um, But, of course, we're pulling for these guys. Like, they deserve it. Um, And, again, it's only a matter of time. Uh, Another thing that came out today, Isaiah Simmons won the Buckus Award, and they actually surprised him. Um, in a team meeting today uh, w- w- with delivering the re- reward, Dick Bucks' uh, son was there to hand it to him. And uh, he's the first Clemson linebacker ever uh, win the award. I think it's certainly deserving of it. He's been a beast all year. I think he's gone from probably the beginning of the year, maybe a second or third round draft pick to possibly top 10 at this point. Yeah, you heard McShay talking about him. He says he's, I don't know if he said he is the best linebacker I've covered or one of the best I've I've scouted. I mean, like that, that McShay has been around for about 20 years now. And he says, I mean, that's, that's saying something if you're, if you're in that territory. So yeah, he's had a great season. One of the themes of this year has been that a lot of, there's been a lot of individual accolades that should be thrown um, our team's way. I, I mean, I think there's been some star power that's actually somehow gone um, under noticed or it's going to unnoticed, I would say to some degree, maybe because, you know, of the, of the schedule. But I think between a little bit in this episode, maybe uh, in our award show, we really need to hit on some some outstanding performances from from some like all timers uh, that reside on this roster. Well, yeah, and not to mention, you know, Travis Etienne not even making the list for the Doak Walker Award. Right, like, that makes no sense. So he didn't get it. They, he didn't pat us. We didn't pat his stats into the fourth quarter. Um, you know, because he he was going to keep getting eight yards a carry. Well, that's just that's just goes to show you that whomever. Um, are making these lists and voting these guys in there, clearly not watching all the games. Because if you watched Clemson throughout the year and specifically watched Travis Etienne, I don't think there'd, there'd be any doubt in your mind that he's the best running back in college football. Right. I mean, there's some good ones. And I, I mean, I'll, I'll give credit to the, the other um, yeah, candidate. John, Jonathan Taylor, uh, 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 J.K. Dobbins for Ohio State. All really good running backs, but they're no Etienne. I mean, their uh, their numbers are good, they're, and they've they've gotten about twenty five to fifty percent in the case of Jonathan Taylor more uh, usage than than Etienne. But whatever, we, you know, this has been a, a recurrent theme around Clemson. So it's kind of like Watson not getting the Heisman. So the you know playoffs roll around, and that's your time to shine. Yeah, but at least Watson was on the list. I guess that's what I'm getting at. I'm not saying he should win the award outright necessarily, because as you mentioned, these other guys have had really good years and have honestly been used more than Etienne has. But he's got to make the list, dude. No, no, fair enough. Um, so let's jump into this game here. Again, a 62-17 to 17 win over Virginia. I don't think any of us uh, predicted Clemson putting up as many points as they did against what we thought may be the best defense that Clemson has faced all year. But this offense was, was unstoppable this game. And I want to first start off by talking about the histories uh, surrounding all of this and this really uh, historical and special season for the Tigers. They've now won their eighth consecutive game by 30 or more points, which is the longest streak in the AP poll era. Uh, they're the only school to win five consecutive league title games since conference championships became a thing in 1992. Conference championship games, that is. Um, they did. Uh, Virginia was able to break Clemson's streak um, of holding opponents under 300 yards, but they were the first team um, to, to hold his first 12 opponents on to 300 yards or fewer. So just amazing accolades across the board. Set the scoring record in the ACC championship, uh, championship game with 62 points, including the most total yards and most passing yards. And it's also Clemson's highest post total in, in postseason play. Are we watching? I mean, we saw what this team did uh, last year as a unit going on uh, to beating Alabama the way they did the national championship game, an Alabama team that a lot of people had considered the best ever. But – could this year's team possibly be better than last year? 
I, I think so. And I, I, I think I just came to that, uh, that realization last week uh, as, as the first time. And to begin the season and midway through the season, I would say don't even – we can't even have that conversation. But, I mean, the fact that we've seen the offense blossom, the fact that we've seen the defense – and I don't know if you heard Venables after the game. He had a really good interview where he's like, I, I don't even know how we're doing it It's at some point. Like, and, I mean, basically, without saying it, he, he just said, you know, we, we have some, some players that are just doing playing the right way and they're not super talented. Um, yet here we are with a really good defense. We'll talk more about the defense um, and how they'll hold up against better competition. But the offense is where it needs to be. And I think collectively it, it now rivals the 18th season. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I think on the offensive side of the ball that this is a better football team. Obviously, Trevor did not uh, get handed the reins until the fifth game last season after the uh, what, the Georgia Tech game. Um, but off to maybe a little bit perceived slow start this year. But after that North Carolina game, they've really been firing on all cylinders. And they just look absolutely unstoppable right now. They only punted once in this game. Yeah, it's it's what I thought uh, we would look like coming into the year. I, I mean, I, I don't. I wasn't so naive to think that we'd be clicking on all, all cylinders. I thought there would be some some growth moments, some a learning curve to some degree. But this is what I thought we could be, and, and what we would more look more like with uh, the, uh, the high powered offense, the 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 explosive plays with the to the receivers, and. Really, I mean, just looking like, I mean, guys just running downfield wide open with Lawrence sitting in the pocket, picking the defense apart. That's what I thought we'd look like. Um, we've arrived and, you know, we've done it just in time. Yeah. And whereas in the I think South Carolina game and earlier games this season, Clemson struggled a little bit on first and second downs. You really didn't see that be a factor in this game. We very rarely made it to third down. We were six of, six of nine on third downs. Uh, nine third downs is half of the third down plays that um, Clemson had compared to Virginia. They had 18 doubled it up. So just really efficient on offense in this game, 621 total yards and 28 first downs total averaging 9.4 yards of play. I'm not sure there's a defense out there right now. And really we only need to talk about three other defenses. That'd be LSU's Ohio States and Oklahoma's, but I don't see a defense out there that stops this team. I don't think so. I mean, I, I think there's there's defenses out there that can contend with our, with uh, Clemson's offense and make things hard. Um, and there's re- two really good teams that we're going to talk about in a bit who also have good offenses. So I think the offense is going to have to be great. Let's say to uh, if they want to win a second championship in a third and four years. Well, and it really helps when uh, T Higgins is just going off. Right. I mean, he's been there. He. He's had a great year all season long. It's just now they're he, he's uh, they're they're making him more of a focal point, and it's championship season, it's championship phase. So I wish I would have seen it more early on. But this guy could have he could have had 150 yards a game had they prioritized him and given him you know more. I would say more reps, but you know that they you know they do more substitutions. So be it. But uh, some of these guys could have could have done this all year long. Yeah, 182 yards and three touchdowns in this game and some absolutely amazing catches. He had that juggling catch on the sideline that could have been intercepted, to be honest with you. And then he had, on the opposite sideline, had that one falling out of bounds where he was able to keep that foot in. He is making NFL-caliber plays out there on the field. Yeah, and I I said to you in a text before the game, uh, maybe before, I don't know when it was, but it was – before the ACC championship game, I, to me, he's surpassed Mike Williams as number three, only behind Nuke and Sammy and the Dabo era wide receiver rankings. You know, that's up for debate. Maybe you have on a Renfro in there. Maybe you want to keep, keep Mike Williams ahead. Fair enough. But I, I do have him ahead now. And I think he's, he could actually get to striking distance to Sammy or Nuke, whoever you have number one, by having a unbelievable postseason, uh, a dominant postseason. And he's, he just had, he's one of three. Um, if we can lean on him like that for two more games, then I think he's got to be right there with Sammy Nuke for best receivers all time. What do you think? I, absolutely, I agree. I think he's past um, Mike Williams at this point. I would definitely have him uh, no lower than three. Um, I can see him ending this season moving up into that one or two spot, depending on how the playoff games uh, shake out and the championship game shake, shakes out should we make it. And I think that slight edge that you could give him to bump him above 
the other two guys is the the postseason play factor. Right, because I mean, they're, if you're going to look at uh, just sheer numbers or strictly numbers, they're going to they're going to look better on paper than T. Higgins. But, but you know, it, it's really hard to compare even just five years ago when the teams are so different. But you have to wait the postseason performance, and that's why Mike Williams is up there to me because he was so good in the postseason, um, helped Clemson in sixteen. So, um, yeah, I think it, it, you get two rings back to back years, and you're you're a you know. A, a dominant part of the offense than uh, maybe the most dominant part of the offense, then yeah, I think uh, he's going to unseat maybe Sammy and Nuke. Yeah. Then after Higgins, you know, you got guys like Justin Ross and uh, Frank Latson Jr. Joseph Nagata, who did not get a catch in this game. Frank Latson had that one really nice uh, 50 yard, uh, 57 yard catch from Chase Bryce. But I mean, just load, absolutely loaded with talent. So even if, they decide to if a opposing defense decides to double team T or something like that. You've got so many other weapons out there, not to mention Amari Rogers, who uh, did not get a reception in this game, which I thought was pretty interesting. He's usually has one of the highest catch totals throughout the season. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there's they haven't been focusing on him as much. Maybe they're just trying to conserve something right now. That's I mean, it's interesting. They they have been using the middle of the field with slant pat, uh, slant routes a little bit more. Saw Overton and T. Higgins there a lot. Um, Justin Ross is still he may. If you look at the competition, Ohio State, you got Jeff uh, Aduka. I hope that, I think that's his name. Maybe the best cornerback in the country. Probably a top. I believe he's a top uh, round pick. And then you have Derek Stingley at for LSU, who might be the best cornerback in the country. He's only a freshman, so most likely they're going to pair those guys against T. Higgins. So that gives potentially Justin Ross another chance, or Amari Rogers or DeAndre Overton a chance to really shine. Yeah, and that's what makes this you know offense really so dynamic is the the amount of depth that we have there, being able to keep those guys fresh uh, throughout the year and honestly throughout the game. So it's really a lot more than just Trevor Lawrence. It helps when you have a quarterback like him who's you know when he's on and just dropping dimes in there. It's there's not much you can do uh, to stop it because generally the most well in almost every situation the most three most talented guys on the field when Clemson was on offense is the quarterback the running back and one of the wide receivers right right and he has been he's been really he Trevor Lawrence has looked really good in the pocket his accuracy everything about his uh, development this year it's been really good um and there's some case and you have Higgins too I mean in some cases you could throw it 10 10 feet out of bounds and he might just catch it so that's quite a quite a target to have on your team you know, the offensive line, I don't think we've given them enough, enough credit this year. Um, they've done a phenomenal job of keeping Trevor Lawrence upright, keeping the pressure off, not to mention the holes they, they open up for ETN, although he's a guy who can kind of create his own holes. But they've done a really great job. I mean, it's a senior-laden offensive line, all seniors except for left tackle, um, Jackson Carmen. So as I start to, like, as the screws start to turn, the wheels start to turn in my mind, um, and start looking towards next year. I know I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but that's going to be a hard unit to replace up front. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about the, who is getting reps this year on the second team, and there's a couple of guys, but uh, there's going to be quite some turnover there. And um, yeah, let's don't get too far ahead of ourselves. But uh, I'm very, very, we're very fortunate to have the offensive line we have. It's been said a lot, the best in, in 20 years in, at Clemson and, and definitely the best in the Dabo era. So I, I have to agree with that. And, and we've had some good ones the last few years. And, you know, a lot of these guys like Pollard and Ankrum and now uh, and John Simpson have been a, a huge part of now three championship runs. Yeah, so you have that experience factor, too, of, the, of all these guys being involved in these high-profile high intensity and you know games with a lot a lot on the line when you have a lot to lose so it's it's good to have that maturity across the front um you know you can get away with younger guys at skill positions but to have that seniority and that um it's the leadership and experience from the offensive line has proved to be very helpful and you know kudos to uh to Caldwell for his development of a lot of these guys you know Gage Cervantes played great all year and he's a former defensive tackle right converted from defensive tackle um, John Simpson has, has been amazing. I think he's going to be a high round draft pick. Um, so just kudos to the coaching staff and, and what they've been able to put together there. Yeah. Well, they have their work cut out for him next year. Like there's, there's going to be some new blood in there. It'll be, uh, it'll be interesting. Well, we'll leave that for next year. Um, and worry about these last, hopefully two games that we have less to play. Um, 
So I don't have much else on offense, just a couple little things to note. Um, I think at this point, Trevor Lawrence is better at running people over than Lynn J. Dixon <laughs> out of the backfield. And also, I've noticed that while Will Sweeney's legs move really fast, he doesn't necessarily get anywhere really quickly. Yeah, he, 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 uh, if you're just watching him, it seems like he's, uh, there's, he's moving quickly. But yeah, it's like time is also standing still at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was glad that he he had a nice he had a nice run there. But um, yeah, when they when they use that, uh, what's it called the um, when he's in when he's in motion, uh, like kind of the the screen or the underneath, he he's really slow, and, and linebackers are able to get to him pretty quickly. Yeah, well, you when you when you see him coming in motion, you know what's jet about sweep. to happen. It's a jet sweep. <laughs> jet sweep. Yeah, that's it. Damn it. Yeah, it's so obvious. Yeah. Um, but hey, if you know, the more we see of that, that means we're in a really great position in the game. So hey, I'd love to see him get some playing time in the last uh, last two games here. Yeah, I mean he's he's done well. He's been a big part of the team. Uh, he's done great as a as a placeholder. So I'm not going to kick him. Hey, could be our future coach. Could be. So that wraps it up for the offensive side of the ball. Just another stellar performance. Um, the numbers. You see the numbers that continue to go up and the kind of the historical, um, well, the milestones and all the stats that this this team is uh, amassing. It is so much more fun watching an offense like this than it used to be 10 years ago. So um, pretty cool. Yeah, I think Trevor Lawrence is who we thought he was coming off of the playoff games last year. To me, I needed to see him be consistent over a few games. And I think now it's like, what, six or seven in a row? where he's just been, he has been, he's been at a Heisman level. He, he's not going to win it this year, but that's, that's the level he's been at. And I, I think it's a lot of what he does is translatable. Like it'll, it'll work against some of the elite teams. It'll be harder. Uh, separation will be minimal, but he'll, he'll still make the plays and he has the talent. And um, I, I mean, between what he's done, you know, this whole year and going into next year and what a, what a special, what a special career it already is, but he's uh, he's, he's, he's at all time status as well. Let's go ahead and throw him in there as a, as a sophomore. Yeah, and I don't care what you say about Tua. Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback in the country. Well, um, I don't so, know if you've seen this guy named Joe Burrow play. He's, he's definitely the best. Uh, we'll talk about him more later. So We'll see. It'll play out. It will all play out. Joe Burrow I mean, is I've seen so him. I don't care what happens in one game. Like I've seen him. He's good. He's good. Uh, let's see what happens if they play Clemson. Um, so, yeah, let's switch it over to the defense. Okay, Cody, so Davo has mentioned several times here of late that he thinks that this year's defensive unit is actually better than last year's. I know the numbers say that, but I think what Brent Venables has done a really great job of this year is masking the deficiencies that are on this defense. You know, it started with the the obviously returning no starters on the defensive line, lose five uh, major contributors for last year, really young up front, and you see him switch to that that free that three man front utilizing the athletic ability uh, in our back seven specifically using guys like Tanner Muse and Isaiah Simmons um, to, to help and run coverage and also in blitz schemes. Uh, so he's just done a masterful job of uh, taking what he has and the talent that's on this team and turning it into the product that we see on the field. It has been a masterpiece, and uh, a lot of it he gave credit to the players. It was a lot of buy-in from seniors Tanner Muse, Kevon Wallace, and Isaiah Simmons, uh, and, and Chad Smith and, and Skalski at the linebacker position. Like it, it took a lot from them um, to be where this defense is. Uh, in terms of the numbers, like you said, the, the numbers show that we're as good as last year. Um, the eye test, and maybe maybe the other thing is we haven't seen the elite team to potentially stress those uh, deficiencies or, or put a spotlight on those deficiencies. So we don't really know for sure um, if this team can compete at that level and still be an elite defense, but it's, it's been one heck of a job by Venables. He'll definitely, he'll have his work cut out for him against Ohio state to say the least. Yeah. And I think th- this game kind of goes to prove that point a little bit. Uh, the defense got off to a bit of the slow start. Uh, Virginia was able to move the ball early and often, um, you know, they had a chance to score there on their first two possessions. Obviously, the first one ending in that no, uh, Nolan Turner interception in the back of the end zone, which is a great play and something that we really needed. Um, 
shots. So Virginia didn't really get off uh, with um, the momentum that they could have had had they scored on that on that possession. But you know they did it in multiple ways, and they did it like we thought they would. They did it with with Bryce Perkins' legs, and also they were really successful in their short passing plays. It set up manageable third downs, and they just kind of dinked and dunked their way down the field. They did have a couple uh, big plays. Tanner Muse got beat there a couple times early and had that missed tackle. He got beat on that uh, two touchdowns, I believe, in this game. Um, and they really focused on scheming to get Dubois uh, isolated uh, on Tanner Muse, and, and it worked well. So I think those are the few of the areas we can start to see some of the weaknesses in the Clemson defense. Yeah, th- so there was a lot of uh, – when they came out, I think Venable said that they were doing a lot of different things that they hadn't put on film all year. They were doing different formations, breaking tendencies, which threw them off. So that, that partly attributed to them, uh, I think, you know, scoring quickly and, and, and moving the ball, you know, past the 50 yard line in their first three possessions. The other part though, uh, you know, scheme aside, because we did settle in pretty quickly and Nolan Turner did get that interception scheme aside. What I saw at the line of scrimmage was uh, off their offensive linemen, I would I wouldn't say getting the best, but I would say they were uh, they were they were holding their own against our defensive yeah. line with with, with minimal. Uh, it wasn't that they were that we weren't able to just get home. It was that we weren't getting very much penetration at all. So th- to me, that's a, that, it's a cause for concern because at, at times we were we were rushing four. I can't remember if it was exclusively uh, r- rushing four uh, to start the game or if we we did some three four looks, but uh, we, we weren't getting penetration. Let's say that. No, yeah, really not uh, able to generate much of a pass rush in this game, uh, which, as you mentioned, is a bit concerning. You know, I'm really kind of scratching my head and wondering where Xavier Thomas has been. Yeah, you know, I've been watching him, and I, I think he's got all the talent in the world, and his motor is still still fairly good. But um, he does. He, I mean, I definitely see another step that he needs to get to if he wants to be elite. If he wants to be a you know first round pick, uh, right now I think he's he's got a ways to go. Yeah, and so all, all this being said about uh, Virginia's offense and their su- success against the Tigers, as we mentioned, they did have over 300 yards um, of offense in this game. But when you look at the stats, you know, Bryce Perkins, 17 carries for 58 yards. That's only 3.4 a carry. So um, he can certainly do much worse to you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, like, it was, it was uh, I think they did most of their damage within the first, I think it was 15 to 20 minutes of the game. And once we settled in, I mean, they, they it, we made life, we were able to make life difficult for him and eventually injuring him. But I, again, um, what I saw was, I, I think, I mean, we're going to need some guys to get a little bit more penetration or we're going to have to manufacture that pressure by using linebackers going five and six, uh, rushing five and six. And, you know, while that's well and good and all, and, and we'll have to do that, um, it's going to, you know, teams like Ohio State and potentially LSU will really burn you if you keep sending guys. Well, and LSU has a hell of a lot better offensive line than Virginia does. I mean, just watching those guys against Georgia on Saturday, I was really impressed. And part of Georgia's problem there is they were only rushing three early on, three, sometimes four. And they gave Joe Burrow all the time in the world. There was one play where he had almost nine seconds in the pocket to complete a throw and ended up going for a touchdown. Um, So that is something to worry about because the more you're able, as we start to play better offensive competition, which includes better quarterback play and better wide receiver play, the longer you leave that secondary out there to stay in coverage, the harder it's going to be for them uh, to maintain that coverage. Right. I mean, you have two, I mean, I think, I think Burrow's on another level compared to fields, but uh, I mean, you, you can't go with just a a great coverage, which we do have two good cornerbacks and and I think our safeties are very disciplined, but you got to you got to create that pressure, and you got to be able to get once you get to the the uh, the quarterback, you got to be able to bring him down, which we we missed on a few of those as, as well. Um, I'll, I'll say this: I, th- I think d- again, dating back to the 2018 championship game against Alabama, our defense is not going to be the same defense. I mean, we're, we're going to give up yards against these elite offenses. We're going to have they're going to be sustained drives, or it's going to be frustrating. It's like, well, this didn't happen against Wake Forest. What's going on? It's like, well, we're not playing Wake Forest. Um, but the thing is, we have what, we're, what we have to do is make plays. There's got to be guys like AJ Terrell coming up with interceptions, uh, Isaiah Simmons getting into the backfield, tackles for loss and sacks. I think those have got to happen. We, we need those game-changing type plays. Um, other, I mean, otherwise, you know, it's just going to be a lot of points and, and a lot of yards. Yeah, I agree, and I think you're really keying on it there with the turnovers. Clemson has done a really good job this year at producing turnovers. 
Um, uh, you saw it in this game with the three interceptions, uh, the one by Simmons, um, Nolan Turner, and then McGuire there at the end. Uh, that was pretty cool to see. A true freshman get that. The team, you know, they love that. They were they were all out there congratulating him. So that was cool to see right there at the end. He's a guy that's going to be a high-impact guy in the coming years. So let's wrap up on the game here with uh, special teams. Actually, kind of a lot of things going on in this one. Uh, Cody, uh, first want to start with – we're seeing now Travis Etienne returning kicks, which is awesome to see. Um, you know, we've got at most two games left with him on the team. So as, as many times as we can get the ball in his hands, the better. Because you saw him make some dynamic returns in this game, and it really is a game changer. Yeah, I mean, if if there's not a better person to have back there, really, and and I, why I, normally I wouldn't like it. The fact that you, like you said, we're we're in like high leverage situations, everything matters. Like you, there is a risk of injury, but I, I think I'm willing to under you know undergo that risk to have the potential you know electric plays um, or touchdowns that he could produce in that position. So uh, it is strange though. Engato uh, was doing fairly well, I thought. I don't know what happened, why they went away from that. I think because as you start to play the best of the best competition, you want your best out there on the field, and Travis Etienne is clearly the best. Like nothing against Ngata. Yeah, no, no, sure. I, I like it. He's 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 going to be dangerous there, and it could change the change a game. Um, BT Potter, on the other hand, I guess third time's the charm. <laughs> that was quite comical there of him missing those two 52 yard field goals only to have them bump him up to what 47 and he was finally able to drill it. But man, he's got a short on that consistency. There were two long field goals in the second attempt from 52 did just barely miss, but the first one, he yanked the crap out of it. Yeah. I, I really hope a game doesn't come down to special teams. Uh, I will say we're very, closely matched with a high state and LSU and the little things matter. So they both have, I believe they both have pretty good kickers. So Potter needs to get on his game or we better get ready for four down territory. Yeah. I think what that's what it comes down to more than anything else. I wonder what, yeah, I do wonder the scenarios of where Dabo would choose to keep the offense on the field uh, where the, otherwise you would normally think they throw, they throw the field goal unit out there. Um, That'll be something interesting to watch moving forward. So I think that's a definite definite weakness on this Clemson team, one that hasn't really made much of a difference because there is such a gap in the talent level of the teams that, that we're facing up against. Um, but you know, getting to the playoffs, it's, it's a whole new story. I do not anticipate that we're going to burn through the playoffs like we did last year um, where you know it was never coming down to a field goal. Yeah, and we know how 15 turned out, so the little things matter when you're that you're that close to your opponents. All right, so that wraps up for the game, Cody. You know, I don't I think overall that it did seem like a little bit of a tougher matchup for us in this game, especially when Virginia was moving the ball early on, but their inability to stop our offense. Uh I I'm quite shocked that we were able to score as much as 62 points and this ended up being the blowout that it was. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think we were going to put up quite as many points. Uh, you know, I, I didn't I, honestly. I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be a little bit uh, fewer points on our end. I thought we would be able to shut down their offense. But either way, I mean, it, the, the the team looks. It, they look great. They look as good as they've looked during the regular season um, that that I've seen in the last. I don't know how many years at this point. It, it might be the best team we have going into the postseason, at least from a momentum standpoint. Yeah, it's the championship phase, man. It really is just that different gear that they kick into, and when they turn it on, it's a, it's a sight to behold. Um, and, hey, really glad that uh, the coaches allowed Chase Bryce to open it up there uh, at the end of the game and put up points. Um, that was good to see. Uh, oftentimes, he comes in at the end of the games, and he's doing a lot of handoffs, or he's not playing with the, the ones and twos, so guys are dropping balls. He's just not – doesn't have the same cast of characters around him that Trevor Lawrence does, but good to see him do it on this stage in this game. Yeah, it could could be the last time we see Mr. Bryce in a in a Clemson uniform, at least get in action. So good to see it. Well, he's a guy that we hope comes back next year, but again, we'll deal with that next year. Yeah, not wishing him to go away. We just we understand the reality of things and he's he's a good enough quarterback to be starting at a at a good school. All right, so that's a wrap on the Virginia game. Clemson, once again, just rolls through its ACC schedule, winning the conference championship for the fifth year in a row. So, uh, Cody, let's talk about the, the playoff matchups. 
All right, so it all got kicked off on Friday night with Oregon's 37-15 to 15 win over Utah. Um, Utah was the only team out of the Pac-12 that really had a chance. They needed to win, and had they won, they'd be in the playoff right now. But turnovers and porous rush defense were really costly for them. Um, they just they were no match for Oregon, it seemed like. Um, but once again, the Pac-12 gets left out. <laughs> once again, Oklahoma gets in. Uh, I mean – I don't think I mean the Pac-12. Like they had they had the path. Oregon could have just as well if they if they beat Arizona State. They're in. Arizona State's not a good team. They're just I mean they're not deserving, and they would have gotten either team would have gotten killed by uh, by LSU anyway, and, and Oklahoma probably still will. Yep. So as it stands, LSU jumps up to number one with the win over Georgia over the weekend. Ohio State slipping to number two after they had a shaky first half against Wisconsin that saw them down twenty-one to seven at halftime. You got Clemson at three, and then, as you mentioned, Cody, you got Oklahoma sitting there at four. Uh, interesting to see Jalen Hurts actually make it into the playoff and not Nick Saban. Um, but he's had a good year. I don't think he's played particularly great as of late, um, but he is back in the playoff. But I, I think uh, Oklahoma you would have to consider probably the, the pretender out of this bunch. I think so. And I, I mean, I think everyone knows what's going on, which is, I mean, it was actually really easy for the committee to decide on the four teams. Right. Um, but what, what I think most people would pl- plainly see is three elite teams. And of course, Clemson doesn't get that nod um, as a one or two because of their resume. And we can talk a little bit about that, but I think it all makes sense. I think even Dabo behind closed doors would probably agree with the rankings, um, not publicly, but behind closed doors. Right. And then, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma is the team that got in. I don't think, but, you know, it's, yeah, they had to have a fourth team. You can't just do three. So, I mean, I guess it makes sense. What I, what I don't understand is people that are making an argument for an 18 playoff. And between you and me, I don't think I've heard anyone make that argument. I think I've heard people saying that people are making that argument, but I don't, I don't, I don't hear anyone actually making it. Um, to me, that makes no sense. Like, based off the evidence from you know, the, what, six playoffs we've had so far, no, nothing. I mean, if anything, the argument can be made to have go back to two. I don't see why we would expand it to eight. No, and I think you hear a lot of those arguments earlier in the season when there's still like, you know, eight undefeated teams and people pretend like a handful of those aren't going to lose. But when you get down to it at the end of the season, you look at the, the final rankings here. We've talked about the top four. If this was an 18 playoff, Georgia, Oregon, Baylor, Wisconsin would be in. Is that necessary? Like we know those teams are not as good as the top four. Right. Right. I mean, it's, they got it right. They got it dead right this year. The idea was if there's really, and there's been cases where there's a third team that's probably that's in line with two other really good teams and they get left out. This opens it up. Plus you get a, you get a 13 plus one. And I don't know. In most cases you can even look back and say, it's really just one and maybe two teams in any given year that are, that really established themselves as elite. So yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't get it. And yeah. I don't want, and I mean, I know the, the conference championship is not a, a play in, it's kind of a de facto play in or elimination in some case. I think, I think it's just fine. It's, it's kind of a quarter, what do you call it? A quarterfinal. It's kind of like that. Yeah, exactly. Let's face it. It's a play in game. It's essentially the eight team uh, playoff version, right? We've, we've already kind of got that and um, it doesn't put as much, uh, focus on the pageantry around the games just because it's not considered a playoff game, but it doesn't need to be um, like it is what it is. And at the end of the day, what's most important is that you got the top four teams, right? And they did. Yeah. I mean, I think in most years they get it right. I think it's, I think it's the lead up where people feel like they've been slighted. I mean, they might make a mistake. Like they might accidentally put Penn state at number four ahead of Clemson in the, in the inaugural rankings. And then it, you know, makes for good, uh, it makes for good message board material and, you know, and arguing across Twitter. But, I mean, ultimately they get it right once they have enough data points. Yeah, I mean, you haven't heard one coach complain about their not making into the playoff this year. Yeah. You really just heard Dabo complain about being number three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't see how eight teams is going to fix it. I think, you know, my man Colin Cowherd always says, the more people you invite to the party, the more people you – leave out or the more people that get mad because you left them out and that's just what's going to happen so you're going to have like i don't know who did you say baylor so who would that be like maybe penn state or baylor upset that they didn't get in or wisconsin upset they didn't get in like ah, give me a give me a break come on i think i think it's a great system the way it is at well four. 
Yeah, well, and everybody out the top, outside the top four, at least all the major players outside the top four, have two or more losses. Right. I mean, what, what about that? It's like, I want to give them a second go at this. I, I feel like they deserve a, a shot for the champ, championship. Like, you don't feel like that. There's something about, and, and there's something about college football where it's not like the BCS era, but the, the, there is a lot of value in every game of the season during the, every game of the regular season. You're not necessarily disqualified, but once you get up to that two loss range, you're pretty much, you're pretty much done. And there is something about it. It does make the games more meaningful. And if you go to eight, the games will still be meaningful, but it will diminish, uh, dilute the regular season a bit, I think. Well, let's, let's put it this way. Had Ohio State not struggled in the first half in their game against Wisconsin, they did go on to outscore them 27 to nothing in the second half and ultimately won by 13 points. Uh, if Ohio State, you know, if maybe that's one, uh, you know, seven more point differential or something like that, could very well still be sitting at number one. And then you know who they would play in the first round of the playoff? Number eight, Wisconsin. <laughs> right. I mean, sure, they could shuffle it around, but like, I mean, it's just not a deserving team again. Like, not to, like I think Clemson can is the beneficiary this year because if it would have been if it were 2013, Clemson's out. Well, you know, it's things were a little bit different back then. The AP was in there, and they did the hey, if you start number one, and you and you win the whole season, you get to defend your title, and you know, they maybe they get in, but maybe they don't get in because there's not a lot of great wins on their schedule. So. I'm just glad there's a four-team playoff. Yeah, I also don't know how we justify Georgia sitting there at number five. Um, there was a good – I saw somebody with a good uh, comment after the game yesterday. Uh, Clemson has uh, gone – into the season number one, has gone undefeated, and they have dropped two spots from where they started from being ranked number one at the end of the year. Georgia suffered two losses uh, – including one to South Carolina at home. That's a bad loss. And then got beat pretty handily by LSU in the SEC championship game. Yet they still sit there at five. And they're only two spots down from where they started, number three at the beginning of the season. Well, Georgia did during that time after they lost to South Carolina. I believe they beat Florida, Auburn, and I think I'm missing one other team. But they did have some good wins, better than any of, of, of Clemson's wins. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying that they – well, let's just say that once you get past four, I mean, four was tough enough. Like, who was like, who wants it? And like, not a lot of teams are really going all out to claim that that number four spot. And once you get once you get to five, it's like, I mean, come on, Georgia. I mean, who are you going to put in there? Wisconsin, Penn State, uh, Baylor. I mean, it's not it's not like a, a huge it's not a huge um, feat to be number five this year in college football because you're not really that much different than number twelve. Yeah, I mean, I see your point there. I just don't uh, – from watching Georgia, I just don't see them as the, the fifth best team in the country. You know, you saw in that LSU game. I don't know what Kirby has done to this offense because they've got a bunch of amazing running backs. Uh, it's supposed to be a really good offensive line. Uh, quarterback and Jake Fromm, who used to look good. Um, but Georgia was held to 61 rushing yards in this game. Fromm did not have a particularly great game. He had the two interceptions. Uh, so who knows what's going on down there at Georgia. They had a good defense, uh, did not play particularly well against LSU, but that's in part because LSU's offense is so dynamic. But Kirby Smart needs to get something figured out down there. Yeah, I mean, there's some coordinator, some coordinator sh- uh, turnover, um, you know, and they're, they're shuffling out some guys. But, uh, nah, it's, I mean, I think the Georgia faithful, I, just two years after the championship, starting to, they're starting to take that seat and seeing, seeing, um, seeing if they can warm it up and how fast they can warm it up. I'm not saying he's on the hot seat, but I, I am saying if he, another year like this where they just get boat raced, and I love that word, by the way, I hear it a lot, where they get boat, boat raced in an SEC championship with, uh, with, the, with the dudes that they have that some of them took, took them to a, na- to a national championship game just two years prior, I think they're going to be a little suspect of their head coach, the one that they love so much just two years ago. Well, especially as you see teams like Alabama and LSU moving to these much more dynamic high-scoring offenses. Right. Like, I mean, the whole joke, and, I, and I've said this a couple of times, is Kirby set out to build Alabama 2011. And, and like, that's what he's done back when right. spread offenses and, and, and mo- more of the modern concepts were not a thing. You just ground and pound, great offensive line, and beat them up on defense. And like, that's not going to work. Not in 2019. Yeah. So let's shift it now to focus on the teams who are in the playoffs and let's stick with, with that LSU Georgia game. 
Um, LSU, again, jumping up to number one. Joe Burrow had 349 passing yards with four touchdowns. How do you stop this guy in this offense? Man, I, I really don't know. They, he, I'm, I'm not being hyperbolic. I, I've watched a lot of Kyle, Kyler Murray. I watched Cam Newton a lot during that year that he was uh, when he won the Heisman. Jameis Winston, you can go on down the list. Kyler Murray, Baker. He's the best college football quarterback I've seen in my lifetime. And I'm not kidding. And I've, I mean, I watched him very closely over the last five or six games. Uh, they, they did a, they did a, um, like a VR thing where they monitored his processing speed and they, they measured that against other top quarterbacks. And he is by far processing more and, and processing faster than anyone else. Um, I mean, kudos to uh, Joe Brady, uh, who came over from the, from the New Orleans saints, like in, in, in transforming Burroughs, who was really lackluster to that point in his career. And he's, he's just been amazing. How do you stop him? Like, I have no idea. And I think Venables, who during his interview said he watched a few uh, of drives of the UGA LSU game. And he said, I couldn't, I couldn't, I had to quit watching. He's like, <laughs> like I, he's like, I'm really dreading going back to that film. And like, he didn't say Burroughs uh, specifically, but that's what he meant. Yeah, well, I think the data point uh, here and where you're going to have to look to, to figure out how to stop him is their win at home against Auburn this year where Auburn held them to 23 points. That was a three-point game, but that is really the closest anybody. I mean, they've put up over pretty much 35 in every, and they have in every other single game they've played this year outside of that one. So I may go back and take a look at that myself because I think that'll be a, a, interesting to see what Auburn was able to do so successfully. Yeah, I mean, look at Georgia. Like they, they are a good defense, and he just tore them apart. Uh, even when they got pressure on him, the way he was able to maneuver in the pocket, he's not super fast. He's by no means Lamar Jackson, but he is. He can get out of the pocket, extend plays, get downfield, make throws on the run, like and and very very accurate. So I, I yeah, I mean, I'm sure Venables will look at some things. It's going to be a lot about. Again, like they're going to score on us if we were to play them. They're going to put up a lot of points, frankly. I, it's just about getting stops here and there, and that's through interceptions, pressure, um, tackles for loss, and sacks. Yeah, and so going back and looking at the, the stats from that LSU-Auburn game, uh, just at first glance, what it, it seems to me like, because they did put up over 500 yards of total offense, LSU did, and uh, Burrow passed for over 300. Um, they did lose a turnover battle 2-1. to one. And they were penalized 12 times for 118 yards, which is a massive amount, both uh, amount of penalties and penalty yardage. So my guess would be that uh, the combination of those two things killed some drives uh, because the yardage was there. Uh, but you start to clean up those mistakes. And again, that game happened earlier in the season. They haven't played like that since. So yeah, it's, it's their North Carolina game, essentially. Pretty much, um, albeit to a much better football team. Right. I mean, and they're they're well rounded. Uh, I'm not even going to try to say their running back's name, uh, Alaire something. Alaire. Uh, he's really dynamic, really hard to get down. Jamar Chase is a receiver; is one of the be- best in the country. Uh, they're going to they're going to get him isolated with Muse if they can. If we were to play them, so Muse better be ready. Um, they're just a just a lot of playmakers all over the field, and and like you said earlier, a good offensive line. Uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. There you go. That went too hard to say. Um, yeah, so I think LSU obviously deserving of that number one position. They're going to be a, a, a tough team to handle. Uh, their defense, again, I, I think people pointed to the Texas A&M game as to an example of, hey, maybe their defense isn't as bad as we thought they were. And I was like, well, you know, slow your roll there a little bit. Like Texas A&M did not play good in that game, and you still have to take into consideration the rest of the games that they played this year. But they held Georgia to 10 points. Defense looked pretty good at this one. George's offense didn't look great, but you got to give that some consideration. Yeah, I, I mentioned it to Tully last episode. Like the, the common comparison is to Oklahoma, like or it was two weeks ago. But man, there's some there's some really good defenders on LSU's team. I don't think it's a great defense. It's a good defense, and with a maybe a great defensive coordinator and Aranda. Um, but I mean, Derek Stingley, the freshman, might be the best might be the best cornerback in the country. He's unbelievably athletic and talented and then uh, Grant Delpit as a safety who's been injured is, uh, is getting healthy and he's probably the best safety in the country and then you have you know you have some guys up up on the uh, on your front line so like Clemson's gonna be able to score they're gonna be able to move the ball if they were to play LSU but uh but th- there's some good players there that can that can make plays 
Okay, so let's talk about Oklahoma here real quick before. Let, I want to wrap with Ohio State and kind of talk a little bit about their game against Wisconsin and then uh, our our upcoming matchup against them. But Oklahoma, you know, they beat Baylor, what, twice this year? Baylor could have won this game even though they were down to their third quarterback. They did. Oklahoma did hold the Bears under 300 total yards of offense, but still not sold. LSU is going to light them up. Right. Give me the point. I'll lay the points. I think it's like a 10-point spread. Um, go ahead and get in on that because everyone's going to hit LSU and the line's going to move because I can't believe it opened at like nine. I think it's going to move something closer to like 14, maybe 17. And even Oklahoma's offense did not have a great game in this one. Um, that was an overtime game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, they essentially – Baylor's third string quarterback was able to come in and and contend with Oklahoma. Imagine what Joe Burrow will do to them. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, I think, you know, kudos to Jalen Hurts and that Oklahoma team for getting into the playoff, but he seems to have regressed a little bit as the year has gone along. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I, he was never the downfield passer that his two predecessors were. And I mean, he's a great runner. I think they'll use him uh, in that option style attack with Sean reads and things like that. But I don't, ultimately that's going to, that's not going to get it done against LSU. Uh, okay. And their defense is improved. I'll give them credit and they're moving in the right direction, but it's still, it's not championship level, not, not on par with the other three elite teams this year. Well, there was only one way to go and that was up. <laughs> right. For their they defense. were really bad. That's true. But, and then, um, speaking of their offense, even against Baylor in this game, Jalen Hurts rushed 23 times for 38 yards. Like, that's not, it doesn't move the needle for me, right? I just, I see this LSU-Oklahoma game. I think that's going to be the obvious blowout um, of the semifinal games. And it could be by a pretty big margin. I think so. I it might it. be worse than, it, it could be worse than how bad they beat Georgia. Right, right. And I, I no, I, I definitely I think Oklahoma is is as a team, they're not as good as Georgia. I mean, the 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 sides of the ball are kind of flipped there in terms of what's good, but uh Georgia's a better team to me than Oklahoma. And I think, yeah, I think it it could get ugly. And they might reconsider and just have three teams from from here on out with the first <laughs> <laughs> with the uh the, first, the the number one team getting the bye. Now I, I think I, I I don't know who I told this, but the LSU's offense to me is the best unit Clemson will potentially have to face since I, I think 2016 Bama's defense, which was historically good. And I, I mean, they broke, I mean, LSU has broken all the offensive or SEC records this year. They are historically good. And we had Deshaun Watson back then to, to slay the dragon. I guess our defense equivalent would be like Isaiah Simmons. Maybe it's yeah. Brent Venables, but uh, we're going to have to slay a dragon if we were to go against them. Yeah, and well, Ohio State, so let's move on to them. Like, they have a really good offense as well. They're going to be the, you know, if we end up closing the season playing Ohio State and LSU, then Ohio State will have been the second best offense we played all year. Yeah, uh, they're, they're incredible. I mean, to me, you know, I talked a little bit about it last week. They're not the 2016 version of Ohio State. So, like, you, could, you can't say 31-0. Like, it's a much better offensive line for one. And I think, I think Justin Fields is a much better quarterback. I shouldn't say much better. I think he's significantly better than JT Barrett. Um, I think he can do more. He's better downfield passer. He's not as active in the run, but he can. He, that's a threat and something you have to account for. I, I suspect they'll be more active running him, uh, assuming he gets healthy with that MCL. I mean, it's, it's a good offense. I mean, if you want to start there, like they, Dobbins is – Right there with ETN, best running back in the country. They're insanely talented. Yeah, Dobbins, 172 rushing yards in this game. Fields passing for almost 300 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, I, I didn't watch. I wasn't paying attention much to the first half of this game. We did have it going on on the adjacent TV. Um, but since it was going on during the Clemson game, I wasn't paying as close of attention as I would have liked. Um, so I'm not really sure what happened to them in the first half, but they really came back and turned it on in the second and played more like they should. I will say this. We've talked a lot about their defense this year, and they had the 11-game streak of holding opponents to under 300 yards. But you know, Jonathan Taylor goes for 148 in this game. 
Um, Wisconsin also had a receiver go for 122 yards. Like if Wisconsin can do that to their defense, just wait to see what Clemson can do. Right. I mean, I, I think part of it, they were getting pressure. Justin Fields is had a bum leg and I, part of it, his, his lack of mobility, they, they saw the, they saw he was wounded and they were going for it. They were going for the kill. And I think that hurt them. I mean, he'll, he'll presumably be healthy going into a Clemson game, which um, kind of makes that kind of void. Um, so I, mean, I, I think what, going back to like how we could attack them, assuming he's healthy, I, I think Venables is going to have to be very aggressive um, getting after him and, and the looks that we give him in terms of our secondary coverages. Because if there is a weakness in that, in that attack, it's not the running game. It's certainly not. Like they'll, they'll be able to get some yards running. It's, it's making Fields pass and, and making him do it consistently. I think, I think that's where he gets into a little bit of trouble and Clemson could potentially exploit that. And if anybody can do it or put forth the game plan to do it, it's Venables. Yeah, well, we'll have to do a better job than we did against Virginia with Bryce Perkins. That is truly the first, um, you know, really good dual threat quarterback uh, that we've seen this year. And by that, I mean uh, a guy who is actually good at running the ball and passing the ball. A lot of times we throw that out there when a guy uses his legs more than anything else is dual threat. But uh, Perkins could do both. You saw it hurt Clemson a, a couple of times there. And when you stare down the list of quarterbacks that we're going to be uh, possibly facing in the playoff between Fields, Burrow, and Jalen Hurts, they can all get it done throwing and running the ball. Right. It, it was it was something to watch for, seeing Perkins easily find those yards. And I, I think that was when we were rushing three. And I, I, you know, I would like to go back and watch the film and seeing if our guys on the defensive line were holding our assignments and, and, um, and keeping – keep and contain. Um, I'm not sure what happened, but th- those were easy yards to come by. So like, it's kind of like pick your poison um, for Clemson. What, which, what are you trying to take away there? Is, are you going to have Skalski or Isaiah Simmons spying around the line of scrimmage? I mean, how do you, how do you account for that? Like Venables is going to have uh, man between, between Ohio state and potentially LSU. He's going to, he's going to get some grays. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and then you flip it over to the offensive side of the ball and you wonder how Ohio State could possibly stop Clemson. I think it, a lot of it has to do, you want to bottle up the run uh, with ETN, but there's just too many receivers, too many great receivers for Clemson to really hold them down. I think you're going to have to get pressure on Trevor Lawrence and for Ohio State, that's going to start with Chase Young. I think so. I mean, he's, I don't know if he's clowny level, but he's, He's in that neighborhood. Like he, he's an impact player on every possession. They're gonna, uh, you know, presumably they'll they'll put him against Ankrum. They, they mix him around. Mostly he stays on the weak side. But they're they're gonna they're gonna want that matchup. I think over Jackson Carmen, who I, I, I tend I, th- I tend to think he would do better than than Ankrum. So I mean that's something you got to count for every play. And the the one thing that I mean Michigan did a good job against containing him, and they did a good job uh, in finding. Uh, receivers over the middle i think there's there's some there's some holes in that defense i actually have a lot more confidence that we're going to win that battle against their defense uh versus the other side yeah and i think it goes this is going to go to show you and specifically talking about chase young um why it matters uh that you have an elite left tackle protecting your quarterback's blind side and we do have that in sophomore jackson carmen um so at least if chase young is going to win some battles against ankrum it's going to be on the strong side where Lawrence is going to be able to see it coming. Right. That's a good point. Uh, the other thing is just that our running backs, their blocking and their pass protection has been, has been suspect all year. And like, they're going to have their homework. Uh, they're going to have their work cut out for them. Yeah. Yeah. Lynn Jay kind of whiffed on a few in the, in this game. ETN has done a better job since the North Carolina game, but that's certainly something to look at as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you, though, in terms of getting two receivers. CNT hit his stride. Uh, Justin Ross, like, just watch out for that guy. And, and potentially uh, Overton and Ngata, I think you're going to they're gonna, you're gonna see them. And I don't know that Galloway is going to come out and be like Willis Reed or, you know, just take over or dominate. But I suspect he's going to get in there, and there's going to be a few things drawn up for him. Oh, yeah, certainly with nothing on tape this season. Right. I, I, you know, like, all season long, I God, I wish the Kraken were back. I think, I believe that we've done things and not broke tendencies or we very rarely break tendencies. And it's, to me, it's all calculated. I think it'll be the, the playoff will just be about them, them doing their homework and then, and then seeing what we do, what we like to do 
what formations we're in, and then us doing the exact opposite, just zigging when when they expect us to zag. Yeah, I will say that it probably would have been strategically better for Clemson to go up against LSU in the semifinal, getting the three weeks to prepare for them. But this year, due to it being, um, you know, the two-by season year, and, like, the schedule's just been really weird all, all year, um, we do get, what, 10 days between the semifinal and the playoff game? I think, it, I think it's closer to t- two weeks. Two weeks, yeah. Yeah, like t- three weeks and then two weeks versus, I think previously, what was it, like four weeks and then 10 days. Right. Yeah, so a little bit more balanced there. So I would say that's probably not going to be as much of an issue. But ultimately, I think everybody wants to see the two best teams in the college football playoff final. And I think a lot of people's perception, and it's certainly mine, is that that is LSU and Clemson, and that's what we're set up for. I think so. I mean, Vegas agrees. And I, I mean, I think it's like a two point, we're a two point favorite. It's, I mean, it's a really good Ohio State team. I'm not taking anything away from them. I, I think Clemson does have the edge. They have the experience factor. I, I think we're, I just think we're a little bit better. And, and by the way, LSU is going to get a home game. Like how, how nice. For the national championship? Yeah, yeah, for the and, national championship. And they get Atlanta in the semi? They get Atlanta in the semi. They get to play Oklahoma. Who could you could argue they're the fourth best team? You could argue they're the fourteenth best team, and no one would you know no yeah. one would uh, dispute that. Um, so they'll get that, and then they'll get a home field advantage. So yeah, it's that's it's if Clemson is to to pull this off, they're they're going to have a seat at that table for best all time. Like absolutely, it doesn't matter. I don't care who they played or who they didn't play during the season. If they're able to pull this off, they're they're going to have uh, a seat at the table. Well, to Clemson's advantage, every player on the team has. Uh, participated in a college football playoff every single year that they've been on the team, um, except for the incoming freshmen this, this year. And all but the sophomores have experienced a loss in the playoffs. So I think you combine that experience with the talent level on this team. That's something that's going to give Clemson um, a little bit of an edge. That being said, you could also point out that Clemson went in last year as um, the less experienced the team when compared to Alabama, and we just you know blew them out 44 to 16. Right. I mean, there, there's a, there's a come up, I mean, that every, all teams have it. So like it matters, but at the same time, yeah, Alabama was new to the, to the party at one point. So, uh, yeah, I, I do put stock into it. Just not a whole lot of stock into it. Right. It's just, I think it's a slight advantage, but it's not gonna, um, you know, these guys are talented, uh, especially specifically Ohio state and LSU. Play, uh, those teams are super talented, so I don't think the experience factor matters as much. Um, but, hey, we're 3-0 all-time against Ohio State. Uh, the path to the college football playoff championship goes through them. So really looking forward to that game. Um, it was 31-0 last time. It'll be fun to see what we can do again this time. Yeah, I mean, I, how do you think the, the turnout will be in Phoenix? Good question. So part of my philosophy is that if we win, I'm definitely going to the national championship game. Um, but should we lose the semi and I go, I'm going to be very disappointed that I went, <laughs> should, should we lose? So I tend to not go to the semifinal games. It's, you know, it's around Christmas. I'm already taking time off work for other things, not to mention the national championship game. Uh, so I'm not personally going and yeah, I think it, I think it'll be interesting to see now that we have been the playoffs five years in a row, what our attendance level kind of maintains or, or settles to. I think the first year, probably everybody was coming out the woodworks and especially the second year in Deshaun's last season. So it'll certainly be interesting to see. I would expect that Ohio State fans are going to travel really well. Um, they have a much larger uh, alumni base to, to pull from. Um, but I could still see it being about 50-50, but it's not going to be sold out. Yeah. Maybe 60-40 Ohio State. Really, it's on us West Coasters to get out to Phoenix. It's not, a, not an expensive ticket. But I'm with you. It's really tough around the holidays. Like it's just, it just is. And and I say not an expensive plane ticket, and probably not an too expensive. an expensive game ticket either. Right. I mean, so I'll keep my eye on that. Yeah. Make a last like last second decision, possibly. Um, uh, I do have flights and tickets and hotel and all that booked for New Orleans. Yeah, so I, I'm, I don't. I don't have to bother myself with that. <laughs> I'm set up as well, and I, you know, after knowing, I think Bob Stoops said they played, uh, they played LSU in the 2003 national championship game, and it was also in 
New Orleans and it was a home game. And he said that was something that should have never been. I mean, he said it was, it was a home game for them and they lost. So I, I just, I urge, and that was Oklahoma. So that was just right down the road, but I urge Clemson fans uh, who have done better, obviously in their careers, because they went to Clemson and not LSU to uh, pony up. <laughs> and this is of course, if we beat Ohio state pony up for that, for that ticket, you know, head down to New Orleans, have a good time. Um, outbid an LSU uh, grad for a ticket. Yeah, well, and I think I, I will credit Clemson fans. I think we've all done a really good job of just kind of understanding where we are and what we're experiencing and what we're going through with the success of this team right now. This is um, becoming unprecedented for Clemson. Um, obviously, we have the 81 National Championship, but I, I think this era of Clemson football far exceeds any that we've seen so far. And so I, I give congratulations to Clemson fans for really not taking it for granted and really embracing it and cherishing it while it lasts. Right. There's, there's those Clemson fans that you see and, you know, maybe they're a little bit older, uh, but you can tell we saw them in Tampa. We saw them in Santa Clara. It's like, yeah, you're going to come no matter what. You probably don't miss one of these. I met uh, at the Syracuse game this year, a couple gentlemen that go to every single game every year. I mean, I would like to do that. That's the goal for me. I mean, that's a pretty good retirement. Um, yeah. If if that ends up being the case, that means you will probably be divorced. <laughs> well, you know, hey, that could be a pretty good retirement. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, we won't doom your marriage before it actually happens. Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's, uh, let's wrap it up here. That'll be it for the show. We thank everybody for tuning in and listening. This was our Virginia ACC Championship Game recap. We will be back at y'all. Um, here in the coming weeks, we'll probably take a week or so off uh, from the podcast just to give ourselves a break. But we will be back previewing uh, the Ohio State game and obviously to follow back up with a recap of that game after it's over. And, hey, we'll talk to Tully. He might have some interviews in the pipeline, so be on the lookout for those as well. And I've mentioned this a few times. I think Sam and I are going to try to do a basketball preview. And also, please do reach out to us at ClemsonPodcast at gmail.com or at ClemsonPodcast on Facebook and Twitter. And as always, five-star iTunes reviews are much appreciated. And if you haven't already, be sure to look us up on whichever favorite podcasting app you prefer and make sure that our shows get pushed to your phone as soon as they're available. So once again, we'll be back at you in a couple weeks. And until next time, and as always, go Tigers.